Hello and welcome to the Overly Animated Podcast, where we take animation seriously. We talk everything animation here, including Voltron Legendary Defender, which we'll be getting into today. I'm Dylan Heisen, and today I am joined by Justin Cummings. Hello! Uh, Jeff Anderson. Howdy! And Haley Neighbors. Hello! Today, Justin, Jeff, Haley, and I will be discussing the first two episodes of Voltron Legendary Defender Season 3, which premiered today on Netflix. Uh, very hyped to get into Voltron once again here. We've covered the previous two seasons uh, here at the Overly Animated Podcast. You can check us out at OverlyAnimated.com. Find our Voltron-specific iTunes feed there with all of our past discussions. Um, and we'll be taking you through... All of Voltron Season 3, this abbreviated season aside, we'll be giving you podcasts in twos and then the the final episode, uh, the seventh episode, um, on its own, all uh, in the next week or two. So definitely check out OverlyAnimated.com for that. And then uh, not too long of a break until October for Season 4. Really, it's just what would have been the season broken into two, but that's okay. So um, How long have we known that there was only seven episodes this season? Because I was very bummed when I heard that. Since San Diego, so only about a week or two. Too. Yeah, it was a Comic Con uh, reveal. Yeah, um, it was. It. I am a hundred percent sure this was not a uh, production thing. This was just uh, Netflix is just releasing the first seven and then the latter six in two months. So um, they they say that it breaks at a natural point. We will see. So we have not seen beyond these first two episodes. Um, so there will be no spoilers beyond that. So you can just watch up to episodes one and two and then come back, listen to this. Um, and then uh, we'll take you through the rest of the season later. That's how our podcast will go when we're covering this. Or watch the whole thing and then laugh at how misinformed we are. <laughs> I think that's a frequent uh, way to to consume these Voltron podcasts. I'd say a lot of people do that. So, um, but yeah, we'll be we'll be going uh, slightly slower than the binge watchers here. But uh, let's get into episodes one and two. These are Changing of the Guard and Red Paladin. Um, these this season three premiere. Let's get some initial thoughts here, Justin. What are your overall impressions of these two episodes? I would have flipped the names. Like, I feel like watching them, episode two feels a lot more like they're actually changing the guard than in episode one. But um, overall, I thought these were two really good episodes. It's one of the things I hate, though, about this show is that they are following so close to the original. Like, I like that, yeah, we're getting Lotor in here, and we have Hagar and all that. I've known, like, for a good ten solid years that we had a pink-colored, paladin flying a lion who was named Princess Allura, so I wasn't blown away. I wasn't like, oh, wow, Allura's a paladin. I knew this was going to happen. And so I think that kind of took away some of the shock for older fans of the series. But if you hadn't seen Voltron before, it's always a core reveal, so... Yeah, interesting. So yeah, that's uh, so for, for fans of the original, not not a surprise here with uh, Allure at the end of episode two. Also, probably not that much of a surprise for for me not having seen any of it either. Well, I think we're definitely all speculating on uh, Allure getting being one of the new paladins. But um, yeah, interest, interesting how uh, we'll be comparing to the ultra a little bit as well. Uh, Jeff, what are your impressions of these two episodes? I think the first episode was a bit too much exposition heavy for my taste, but it totally redeemed itself with Lotor. I just, he's amazing. And, um, because I don't, I can't read him. I, I don't know what he's going to be doing. Um, you know, uh, he's very two faced with his people. Um, love his motley crew. They're some of my favorite characters right now. Um, so yeah. 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 Definitely. It's a big topics. We'll, we'll be getting into Haley. what do you think? I like them. I think they were good, um, like, intro to the season episodes, and they seem to be kind of, I don't know, I feel like this is going to be a really good season based on these two, because we're not, um, we're still explaining the backstory and the, like, building up the universe and everything, but it seems like we have more of a a goal and a better enemy and everything. Um, But my favorite part, though, is Lotor's new little group the four of them because they seem so cool and like really interesting characters. And I assume, I don't know what the alien biology of this is, but they seem like they're female characters, which I feel like this show has been lacking so far. Um, so I'm very excited and see new powers and everything. So they are my highlight. Yeah. Yeah. My understanding is all four are female characters. Um, seems like it. Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. Uh, one of them wasn't super clear, but um, that's, that's my understanding is, is all four. Um, would be female identifying. So, uh, yeah, these, I think 
these two episodes contain some really exciting elements that uh, like portend to a, 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 like a much improved exciting season. So that's what I'm I'm actually like very uh, excited for the rest of the season. Having seen Lotor and these Lotor's generals, the these four new um, half Galrin alien women who are awesome. Like that's these are clearly these are some of the most exciting things the show has done in uh, basically its entire run. We've changed the. Uh, the Galrin enemy plots from being kind of like the down parts of the show to I feel like in these two episodes they were absolutely the best parts of it, and that's they're like the Ozai's angels. Yes, of- yes. <laughs> oh, oh, we are very close yeah. to me going into an Avatar comparison here. Definitely, yeah. This is uh, this is uh, yes. the Azula introduction with um, Lotor. We can do this right away. This is <laughs> this is uh, so. Uh, br- briefly on this, I'll probably rant about this in the last podcast this season, but. Netflix really screws with the season structure of the show. Uh, production wise, this is the first episode of season two. Um, they go in 26 episode, uh, production arcs. So, um, this is exactly what they did with Avatar. They're copying the Avatar structure. We're bringing in the Azula villain here in Lotor. And, um, we have, uh, we have Tylee and May times two, I guess. And, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's such a, I, we, I don't know why we're exactly going by the Avatar model, but I love it. It's, uh, it's gonna bring fresh energy into the show um the paladin swap is exciting i don't necessarily think anything we did with the voltron paladins was that great but um like shifting around the paladins getting lure in there's uh it's going to be very exciting but uh mainly it's just load man lotor and lotor's generals uh let's let's get hype and we're going to dive into that for sure um yeah so any did anyone else think azula when when we met lotor in this first episode Mm, I didn't. The orange one is Tylee. <laughs> the the multicolored. Yeah, no question. Yeah, she's Tylee. Yes. And then actually, um, not Avatar, but um, one of the other generals who looks most human-like. Um, she actually reminds me a lot of Valentine from Cowboy Bebop. Mm. Like her face is like identical. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be surprised if that was a direct Cowboy Bebop reference. They do that a lot. Uh, with with these with these people, um, yeah, she's there's the normal one, yeah, and then there's uh, the Tylee one, um, and there's uh, Cat uh, uh, Telepath. So uh, cool. She's scary. She's scary. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then we have um, I have a Beast Woman, super strong one. That's, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Okay. Let's uh, let's hold them aside for a second. Let's talk about Lotor to start. I feel like the lead of these two episodes is the introduction of Lotor. This to me is like. I'm sometimes underwhelmed narratively by this, the show. That's not a surprise if you listen to past episodes, but uh, it's, it's some of these people in the, in the writer's room here, Tim Hedrick and writers who've written, wrote, wrote for Avatar and Korra. One thing we know they can do is a incredible villain introduction. Uh, this has been a recurring thing throughout all of Avatar and continued into Korra. And now I feel like we have another, uh, really memorable, incredible villain introduction with Lotor here in episode one. Um, just, uh, completely taking charge of the Garin army forces, um, if in the arena and, uh, just manipulating all these people and like suppressing a rebellion, like in five minutes. Um, I loved it. This was one of the best scenes this show is, the show has done for me. What do you think, Justin? I really like this introduction. Like, I thought it was just a very well executed, interesting moment. And I always worry when you introduce, especially prince villains in alien empires, I always get nervous because it never goes well. Uh, Especially in Power Rangers, the prince is usually awful. And considering this show does kind of follow similar tropes, I was very worried we were going to get a prince gasket all over again. But Lotor is incredible. Like, Zarkon can stay in his little coma all he wants. I, I want more Lotor. <laughs> Zarkon, al- already wishing Zarkon continued. I, I agree. Like, uh, let's not bring Zarkon back anytime soon. I didn't know... He can come back in the series finale. Yeah, that's fine. He'll be, like He's like those I know. I, I, speaking of Avatar villain, and I'm sorry that this whole podcast can be Avatar comparisons, but that's who we are. <laughs> um, oh, it is. Yeah, this, that's what this show is, and that's who we are. But um, I didn't. I never realized that Zarkon was the Zhao. Like, he was the season one villain. I didn't, I didn't think of it that way. But uh, with Lotor's introduction, and Zarkon's just out of the picture now, uh, Zarkon's kind of like the Zhao with a little bit of Ozai hybrid, because he'll be like kind of the overarching villain, I assume, when he'll come back later. But um, uh, give me, give me Zhao over Zarkon, obviously. But um, let's, the, the, other than the introduction, I feel like 
one of uh, Jeff uh, talked about this uh, in his introduction here. One of Lotor's big attributes so far is that it's it's like okay, you have Azula who's um, sympathetic but purely evil, and then you have but now you have Lotor who kind of comes across as much more benevolent, uh, more benevolent Galrin. At the same time, it's clear he's manipulating people. He he says so himself. Um, what was what was your how'd you read on Lotor Evolve, Jeff, as you watch these episodes? Well, at first I thought it was going to be a boring, like, here's the good the good Galra, and he's just misunderstood, and the good guys will win him over, and then we'll have fun. Um, and then, no, he just, like, like, nope, that was all part of the plan, but it's still not clear how much of that he believes. Like, the, the rumors are rumors for a reason. Like, apparently he does have some autonomy to his subjects. Um, so, like, that's good. It, you know, even if, it, even if it's for purely self-serving reasons because it tends to be a more effective leadership strategy yeah um so yeah just like will you know when when it gets down to galrin versus versus um, altean you know leadership um can there be compromise or is it like yeah i, I don't i want to do the right thing but also galrin at all costs is that what it's going to be yeah yeah, I thought I, I have this. I had the same moral debate, like thinking go, going through these episodes, which I think is um, just wonderful that the show can inspire that type of thought uh, during during the episodes. But uh, it it's like he seems to be completely self serving. He comes across as that, but at the same time, like uh, his more uh, his like less evil, more benevolent, uh, slightly more empowering to the these these planets he's taking over. Uh, practices are still like legitimate like he's still it, we got proof that he's doing that in this second episode um so it's 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 like even if this is just to prop himself up it um definitely seems better than uh than uh zarkon and um makes you <coughs> makes him a more sympathetic figure i think so far um uh-huh. what do you think what do you think Kaylee? are you liking uh lotor as a person <laughs> so far <laughs> uh i i don't know i i I really like him because he it definitely confused me like you guys were saying where I I don't really know if he's good or bad or like a justified villain kind of thing because when he went after um, having the battle and talking about how he's going to be a benevolent ruler and everything and then he said talked about how the masses are so easily manipulated I was like oh that's interesting (laughs) because I wasn't sure if he was saying that like I, I can't figure him out I don't know if he's saying that he wants to be good or what but i feel like maybe it's the type of thing where he's so in his own ego and his own galran head as the prince and everything but he's also integrating um he seems to be like an accepting person like he's been out in the universe more and maybe he's combining that with also realizing but i'm justified in any action i make at the same time um which i think is a really interesting conflict and uh, paradigm and a villain so i'm excited to see where it goes because i feel like he could do things where we're like oh well that was a good thing he did i guess but he's still controlling this entire planet um so i don't know i'm excited to see where this goes seems like they're interested in what his kind of i guess villain philosophy is going to be yeah definitely uh justin uh how do you what do you think of bringing this sense of moral gray in with lotor i think I want to say they're pulling a Pokemon black and white where they're acting like they're all high and mighty and then the rug gets pulled out from under us and Lotor is just plain evil and it kind of undermines all of the positive. Like, I feel like the whole like autonomy thing is going to be undermined later. But that being said, I do think it's an interesting clash and I think it, I think it adds a level of believability to the Galra Empire that was lacking with Zarkon of, we're going to destroy everything, ah, because we're purple. Now it's like, (laughs) we're going to rule and we're going to expand our empire, and this is the most reasonable way to do it, and we're going to make sure that we have the farthest reach because this is the most effective way to take over. And I think that, you know, they're less comic booky now, like Silver Age, Wahaha comic booky, and they now have that kind of believability that i think was missing from the original show yeah yeah um i like for me this is already a stark improvement over 
any villain stuff w- from uh, these first two seasons, with the exception of Hagar in the last season finale. I think she was wonderful there, but um, just like I'm already ready to declare Lotor a better villain than Zarkon. Uh, Jeff, oh yeah, that's how we already did. <laughs> yeah, too soon, Jeff, or no? Oh, oh no, 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 no. I mean, how much better was Azula than Zhao, yeah, right? Well, Although that's not fair to ask you that because Zhao is... <laughs> so. Different categories of villains. Different, yes, right. Although, yeah. No, um, Zarkon was just not as fun as Zhao. Just technically is Zhao. So, yeah. No. Lotor better. Lotor better. A plus plus. Oh, we are all in agreement? Oh, man. Already two episodes in. We'll see. We'll see how this develops. I was on Lotor train, like two seconds into the trailer when he showed up. So <laughs> that's pretty early. <laughs> this is just continuing that. Yeah. Well, he was awesome. He was good. In the trailer. Well, speaking of that trailer, like one, I think Dylan, you called like everything in the trailer would be from like the first, like 10 minutes of, of episode one. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And mostly correct. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, uh, which I'm really glad about. Like we're going in mm-hmm. uh, very much blind to the rest of the season. Um, so I think that's going to be, that's going to be very fun here. Um, yeah. Loving, Loving Lotor. My read, the first, the, the, the biggest comp to me, this isn't necessarily going to land. I don't know who this lands for on this panel, but um, the, his biggest comp to me is Marjorie from Game of Thrones. Um, oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. No, totally. Yeah, but like, yeah. but like, uh, it, I get the, I genuinely believe that Marjorie is good. I, not, I'm much yeah. less sure than about Lotor, but just like kind of the ruler who uh, wants to be nice to their people in order to um, consolidate power and like prop themselves up. Um, mm-hmm. And as like number one Marjorie fan, this is very exciting for me. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's very similar type of personality. I get, definitely. I guess my read right now is that Lotor is going to be more on the evil side, but um, like we were like we were talking about with Jeff, it doesn't necessarily matter if he's um, doing this for self serving purposes. So I love this uh, kind of moral quandary going into later episodes. That being said, as also briefly brought up, he definitely still seems to be. Um, like uh need to consolidate Garen power, like need to maintain uh allegiance to the Garen Empire. It's not that he's going to free uh anyone, it's that he, they can be free as long as you're within my system. You have to still be aligned to me. Uh, now I wonder why he was exiled in the first place. Was it because of his wishy-washy attitude? Like you're not a true Garen. Go play fun over there. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, this is this is something I've read in interviews with Joaquin and Lauren about the season, which is that um that's that's like a big uh shadow hanging over Lotor. It's like why was he exiled in the first place? You can see he's already doing things very contrary to uh traditional Zarkonian uh, uh Galrin tactics in that he's um like not ruling with an iron fist, like letting people be free within the system, but also that um, his uh, lieutenants, his generals are half Galrin, uh, as br- this was brought up in these episodes as well. Um, and that's looked down upon these half breeds. Um, so uh, he, want- he like aligns with not genetically pure <laughs> Galrin and um, he uh, lets people be free. So like, he's much more of like a, a quote unquote liberal uh, uh, Galrin, but uh so it, that's that's probably the leading candidate on why he was exiled, but it's it you got to assume there's more of a specific event uh, that that happened. This whole like mixing, like being cool with half gallons. I wonder if this is going to impact Keith at all. Yeah, that's true. Oh, true. Yeah. yeah. Let, like come to the dark side. We'll we'll be friends with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look at my uh cool uh, army of uh kick butt women who you can join. Like uh let's let's do that. Um maybe yeah, I, I, that's got to come into play coming up. That'll that'll be exciting. Um yeah, so I think I think that's going to be that's it it is weird to see uh just a character who was um just like not in existence in the first two seasons of the show. And it's like, he's already taken over now. It's like, Oh, he was exiled. Now he's back. It seems, it seems, uh, that's the type of plot, uh, narrative element you need to justify. I feel like, so, um, I feel like, I feel like we'll be, we'll be getting more seeds of that throughout. Um, let's talk, uh, the, the, uh, Lotor's generals. That's my best, uh, word. I feel like that he said in the show's generals. Um, so let's quickly go through them. And then I think I liked pro tem better when he said that. I think that was, um, him. I think emperor pro tem, I think. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's for himself. Right. So he, but I like that word better. Yeah. I like, I like pro <laughs> that is, yeah, we need more like, um, like uh yeah roman or whatever uh yeah language here so uh yeah these the these these generals of his uh let's go through them and then we can pick a fave that's that's all it is so um ezor is the uh tylee one the chameleon rainbow ponytail girl 
She's um, slightly more peppy than the others, although she didn't seem as peppy as Ty Lee, I would say. Um, we have Narty, um, the uh, telepathic um, cat warger. Speaking of Game of Thrones references, um, control can tele- telepathy into the cat and can also telepathy people as well. Um, we saw that or aliens, whatever. Um, I don't know. I didn't get this impression completely from the show, but she's apparently blind as well. Um, I guess you know, she didn't have any eyes. Yeah. So she's like a mask over her. So that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That wasn't specifically stated, but, um, that's what I've read. We have Hmm. Zethrid, who is a, the beast girl who we talked about with, uh, I think she's super strength, but, um, at the very least she's just tough. Um, and then you have Aksha, uh, the normal one (laughs) who, uh, Aksha, I think she wears a mask sometimes like a helmet a lot of times. Is that right? Yeah, she did okay. during when they I'm went pretty off. Pretty sure she's the one that was inside that big gas beast thing in season two. Ooh, if that was Aksha, that would be cool. Okay, I looked actually. I oh, went back to that episode, and the whoever that is, their suit is exactly the same as Lotar's, mm. but Aksha's looks very similar too. Ooh, okay. So I think it's pro- it's probably someone in their circle, if not one of the one or the other. At first, I thought it was definitely Lotar, but uh, I, I could have sworn there was some sort of like female yeah, of that person. So I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, lo- There's more to it. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be great if we, if that was Aksha or Lotor. Um, probably from having seen Lotor, it's, I feel like it, that would be harder to reconcile uh, him with those actions, but uh, at the same time he's exiled and it's a different situation now. Um, anyway, Aksha is um, the, it seems like the leader of the generals. She's, like blue and she's more normal looking. So that's, uh, that's the, the best I can describe her. Justin, pick, pick a fave of the four. Azor, no question. Azor. Okay. Uh, Jeff, who's your fave? Telepath. Uh, Narty. Yeah. Uh, Haley. I'm also Narty. I, lo- I love cats and I love a good telepathy villain. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm on Azor. I mean, she's, she's perf. Like, like more, more Azor, please. Um, there are a lot of, um, <clears throat> I don't know who that character was, but in Young Justice, the the Lord of Chaos, his medium, Doctor Fate, Nabu, no, no, Lord, Nab- oh, uh, the, the bad guy, Clarion, the Witch Boy, Clarion, yeah, Clarion's cat reminded me a lot of that. Mm. that I, I do love the alien cat. Um, I want. Why don't we have? I need. I need plushes of the alien cat available immediately. <laughs> That's the. This is necessary merch here. Come on, at Voltron. Like, let's uh. Let's get this going. I the yeah the cat is a strong element behind uh, Narty. She doesn't talk though. I think. Um, no, I wonder if she can. Yeah, I yeah. I th- we have three. I, I I'm confident I have three voice actresses for the other three, but I think not Narty because um, uh, I don't think she talked. Uh, Every time she needs to talk, one of the other generals volunteers to be her mouthpiece. Mm. That's interesting. Oh, yeah, yeah. with telepathy. You never know. Maybe she's controlling them. Maybe they just know she know. doesn't talk. She might be, <laughs> yeah. she might be mute. Yeah, it's possible. Um, I've not read that, but that, that could be interesting. Um, mm-hmm. I also like Aksha. Uh, we don't, she, she had the least spotlight, I feel like, of the, of all of them so far. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, I, th- I feel like there's a lot of potential for Aksha. She seems nice, I guess. <laughs> I, I want to know if there's like, I want to know more about the relationship between her and Lotor. If she's, because she, I agree, she does seem like she's kind of the boss of the four of them. So oh, are I'm, you, sh- are I, you I'm shipping a, Aksha and Lotor? You never know. I would go for it. I'd be happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, would, I didn't think of that. that. That'd be good. Yeah, that would make sense. You know, the the lead, yeah. leader of the generals with the <laughs> with the uh, press. I really want to know because I I hope we get an episode like this, and I feel like it would make sense of just the backstory about how he came into contact with all of them because I want to know more about, I just want to know more about them and see them and everything. But And they hinted a little bit at that. Like, um, who's that beast lady? Like, this is, yeah, this is the chance you've always been waiting for. Strike them down with the ion cannon. Oh yeah. 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 We definitely got a sense of past history. I agree. Um, Hmm. and we, and we'd heard that he associated with like these half Garans, but, um, no no sense of like where they're from like in avatar we get the tiley introduction we like see her at the circus we see may um like in omashu so it's it's um it's uh we don't we these people are already here um so we could definitely justify a backstory episode here i'd I'd definitely be for that 
Um, Justin, any any random uh, theories about their backstory or relations with each other that come to mind? Okay, so here's my thing. Uh, I talked before we went on air about Gar and society. We have not seen, to the best of my knowledge, any pure blood female Gaara. Hmm. I mm-hmm. don't think we have. Because Hagar was revealed to be part Altaian in the season two finale. All of the females we've seen in this season so far have been uh, half-breeds. So, my theory is that the Galra do not reproduce in the way that we do. And that they reproduce some different kind of like cloning way or something. Ooh. And so, these generals are from planets that were conquered by the Galra. And basically, Lotor hunted them down and found them and recruited them to be part of his new Galra empire. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, trying to think if we've ever seen a a full Galran female. I think probably not, right? Yeah, I've always wondered this. <laughs> it's just like, how are they bored? Like, I've always wondered why that is. Because maybe, maybe it's like a uh, was it like an all male society in terms of the parts of society that we've seen like maybe all the ladies are back on the main planet or something but it seems weird that we've never seen a female well here's the thing i went back to the original show looked at lotor who used to wear a like a viking battle helmet by the way fun fact oh that's good (laughs) even in the original show for as long as that ran they never mentioned his mother at all they only ever mentioned zarkon so We've never, they've never mentioned any female Galra. It's just assumed he has a mother. Yeah, you'd think Lotor, the first that would be Lotor is Hagar's uh, son, but, you know, he seems full-blown Galran, right? Um, Or is that why he was exiled? Mm, Yeah, maybe he is himself, half uh, or a fourth or whatever. Well, the thing is, with him, he has pupils in his eyes, and all the other Galrans are just yellow on their eyes. So that seems weird to me. Plus he has hair. None of the other ones really have hair. Beautiful hair. Like. <laughs> Beautiful hair. <laughs> a mane of hair. Yeah. Yeah. I, In fact, I hair doesn't look a lot like uh, Hagar's, doesn't it? Exactly. Yeah. That's definitely, that was definitely a, uh, a first, I think a thought we expressed in our finale podcast was if he's the son of Hagar and Zarkon. But um, that, that's, that seems to be still in play, but I agree. This is a, a th- th- that makes a lot of sense to me, Justin, that maybe they can like uh, clone themselves and, uh, and reproduce that way because um, I don't, you know, it, 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 it would, we would need to justify there being just no, uh, no female Garans. And I feel like that's like a cool thing because I think the all male Garan kind of comes from the, just like heavy maleness of the original and us basing it off of that. So we're kind of like justifying, we're kind of like playing around the sexism with expanding the lore. That'd be, that'd be fun. (laughs) That's, that seems like a potentially good tactic here. Okay. So let's see, we can see how that comes into play. Um, That's interesting how it relates to the general's backstory as well. Um, They totally could just be from planets, Lotor, uh, like conquered or something like that. Um, We don't ever, we don't ever know if he was like a Lieutenant himself for, Zarkon, do we? He, the, I forget his name, but the guy who was like bashing him in the audience, he was saying how Lotor, he was critiquing him actually, how Lotor fought on the front lines with all his, I guess, yeah, that's underlings yeah, or whatever. Right, that's true. So, yeah. So he probably has some military rank or experience from that. So he would have to have uh, been non exiled and um, in charge of something to have fought alongside them. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 So that's a good call. Um, what do we think of uh, Throck, the uh, insurgent uh, uh, Galrin, who um, wants to challenge uh, Lotor for control, uh, but then gets exiled at the end of the episode, so I guess he's not a recurring guy. Probably not. <laughs> His armor looks like a Voltron lion. I don't like it. I'm worried. He's going to do a thing. You think Throck, <laughs> Throck is coming back? Do a thing. What thing? I don't know, but he's got like a lion on his armor. <laughs> he's gonna do a lion thing. Interesting. It could be a Voltron lion. It could be Steven's lion. I don't know. It could be between the lions. All I know is he's gonna do a lion thing. Probably not Steven's lion, but um, yeah. I feel like I've seen that armor because the guy next to me was also a general had the same armor, and it looks like Galrin eyes the yellow detailing on it. That's at least what I thought it was. 
Uh, Jeff, any thoughts on Throck or his uh, plot to uh, up, like unseat Lotor? Um, <clears throat> seems pretty standard Galran ascension protocol. <laughs> Just um, scheme your way <laughs> to the top. Yeah, it's very much like the Black Mirror or the the, the Mirror Mirror episode of Star Trek. Um, although his intro scene also was pretty informative because I had no idea that they were going to keep um, Zarkon's condition on the down low. Mm. Uh, yeah. So that's an interesting little twist to the situation. Yeah, I agree. I guess because because every, because it, they they know that the Galran Empire is so unstable, they can't have you know um, lack of confidence in their glorious leader. So yeah, I, I think it's a good call by Hagar to keep that quiet um unless i thought she might want to seize control herself but it definitely seems like she does not want to um if she's actively hiding that zarkon is is uh this is what happens when you have like a top heavy leadership structure with like all this negativity right underneath zarkon needs to uh work on a vice emperor he's a vice emperor yeah that's uh you can't just exile your son and not have a successor there right like this is uh come on zarkon with your um evil empire management uh, yeah, and um, all of the other uh, Galrin high generals that we saw like uh, had something happen to them. So now we need to bring in this new guy, Throck, um, to uh, come into play. Um, speaking of Galrins, so we have Kolavan here, um, part of the Blade of Malmura in episode one. Um, I never remember <laughs> these guys. Uh, this is the guy in the trailer we didn't know he was. Uh, Justin, do you remember if he was uh, in season two, this guy? The name sounds really familiar. I think he was the one that tested Keith. I think. I think, that, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember his history, but um, you know, shrug. He's he's the face of the blade of Almera now. Uh, that we that we see. Uh, any disappointment in the like minor use of the blade of Almera here? Yes. Yes. Yeah. A little bit. Um, first off, I, I don't know. If- Okay, a couple of things. I'm not sure how much of the Blade of Mamoro... I can't remember. I don't remember how, how it looked back in the day, but I could have done without the anime running, like with the arms <laughs> back. Like, come on. But um, also, you can't just fall out of a flying tiger lion and glide down and then just skid on the ground. That's not how gravity works. Um it, it could be how gravity works on that planet because yeah. that's a really weird looking planet, but they didn't explain that at all. And they're just standing around like normal afterwards. Um, cause you need some aerodynamics to get that to not kill you. Anyways, it was, it looked cool, but mm, mm, just a little bit. That's that. Off. That's just how awesome the blade of Mamura are. I guess they can <laughs> fall long distance. They just intimidate the ground. And... <laughs> yeah. yeah the, the, I guess the explanation is probably that that planet has different gravity, but um, it's they seem to think it was an unsafe drop in the first place, so I don't know what changed. Uh, yeah. It's a, yeah uh, that was... I know, as they went into like the skydiving arrangement of all of them, it's like, uh, guys, like you gotta pull your shoots. <laughs> oh no. Right? Just do a sweet somersault right on the ground, no broken necks. They're, yeah. they're just, they're... Oh, speaking a little tiny aside but this is the same sort of airdrop but with the generals was awesome because um beast lady just sort of slanted to the ground just everyone else had their shoots it was great nice yeah she's strong i guess that's that's her thing we'll do that now uh with her slamming into things yeah um the uh so yeah call upon the blade of momura uh given their prominent role in season two i would like more of a, a presence here in in uh, recruiting these planets and stuff. They are kind of just off to the side and not even really featured in, in episode two, but we'll see how they come into play. Um, thoughts on Puig, this planet that we're on in both episodes with the cow people. <laughs> it's cool. I think it's like a set piece more than anything. Yeah. Like an interesting place to go to and visit like the other planets we visited, but not really a very important player in the long run. I was surprised we were there for two episodes. So that was that was mm-hmm. important, I guess. Um, I thought their their obsession with Voltron was overdone um, and felt just put in for the sake of the story. Like we we've never seen any other freed civilizations. Like give us Voltron, we want to see Voltron. Yeah, it was it was mm-hmm. supposed to like be uh, uh, the movement of how the 
the world uh, universe has reacted to the events of season two finale, but it did it does seem shoehorned in there a little bit. So it's a it's a very easy thing to explain. Like we're not all here, so you can't see Voltron. Okay, thanks. Next question. Yeah, yeah. that was yeah that was my least favorite part of these two episodes. I was very frustrated with how that was handled. Um, specifically, Keith's angst um, was uh, just not super pleasant to watch for me, which is kind of typical of me and Keith. But um, yeah, it was like okay, I get it. He's sad that Cheer's not there, and um, they don't know how to handle it. And um, but then he's just fine at the end. He, he's over it with the pretty. It's like they're logical, and he's like, yeah, I guess you guys are right. So we're good now. Um, but yeah, that, that didn't play for me that much in episode one, um, especially compared to the brilliant Lotor stuff, uh, in, uh, with, with Keith. Justin, what do you think of, uh, Keith here? Can I start calling him my angry tomato? Cause I think I'm going <laughs> to do that from now on. That? Yeah. Okay. I like it. Uh, get Tumblr on that. I want like 10 memes by tomorrow. So, um, cause I know you own all of Tumblr, Dylan. No, so yeah, I like, I I don't think it was as well executed as some of the stuff last season. I know you're not a huge Keith fan. I like Keith. Um, I ship Keith and Shiro, and I'm like, yes, get mad. They stole your your space lover. Go find him. You have to find him. <laughs> get mad. Uh, um, Keith, Keith was, for the record, Keith was much better last season. I still am not the biggest fan, but he was like uh, one of the standout characters last season. He was. Yeah. He was, and I was just I was just happy to see Keith mentioning Shiro and having passion. Like that's all I want, Dylan. I'm a shipper. Let me have You're my. You're on thing. the wrong um, Keith ship here. Sorry, but oh, you want me to ship Keith and Allura? Uh, no, <laughs> stop. Please go, go. Because I was watching the original, and Allura had all the hots for Keith Ugh. back in the original series. So if that's yeah. anything to go by, oh, no. but no, Keith, Keith and Lance is fine. Clance, arm leg. Arm uh, leg is no yeah, more. Yeah, Delaney's not here to react to arm leg being. It's, it's now. <laughs> so it's now. It is head arm. Head arm. arm, yeah, head. arm yep, that's it. Yeah. We'll get the official. I promise, guys. One of these podcasts, we'll get the official confirmation from Delaney on the new ship name. Yeah, that, that's it's no longer arm that's leg. coming up. We get. We might as well just go with George, the superior ship name, anyway. So, um, that, but no, uh, or we could the clans the the easy one to explain. But um, yeah, we'll talk about the the shifting paladins. But uh, in terms of Clance tracker here. Um, like Lance. Oh, there's some plants going on here. There is a bit Lance of like it. appeals to Keith, I guess. Um, yeah. And they well, the whole team like is like, oh, Keith's giving doing his angsty thing, and they all look at Lance. And he's like, okay, guys, I guess yeah. it's me. <laughs> and goes up to help, give him some some support. Yeah, yeah. I was that was I was feeling that, and then just the fact that Lance is now in Keith's lion, like um, it's destiny. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, that must mean that it's true love. That's my logic. Okay. But by that regard, Keith is also in Shiro's right, line. So, okay, I'm I'm fine with these these two as the competing ships. I accept. And Allura's with Lance by that logic too. <laughs> Lance Lance would be happy with that. Yeah. So um, yeah, true. I did like our Lance and Allura moment at um the end of the second episode. Uh, I thought the, yeah, like, the passing sweet. on of the blue line. Um, so let's talk about the shift. Uh. In uh, in so this is what the second episode's all about is um we need to rearrange the paladins to make up for Shiro being missing um Keith moves to the Black Lion and then um Lance for some reason <laughs> moves to the Red Lion and Alara goes to the Blue Lion so I liked the Keith to the Black Lion stuff I thought that had been set up well last season and um made sense this season. Uh, I like how it activated when he said he was like, I'm not worthy compared to Shira. Like that was the thing that that activated it. Um, Allure to blue. I like how they handled it in that Allure is like, I need to get in the action now. I can't be sitting back and having other people sacrificing themselves. I like the angle they went there. Really, it's just to get Allure into a lion. But I like the justification. Um, The thing that made no sense to me is why Lance moves to red. Um, like uh, the the reason we're given is because Lance is a team player. Like that's the explanation. Because uh, he's the right hand man. Yeah, right. Like, like since when is Lance? The whole we, this episode was all about Lance not being a team player with this. Like, uh, like I guess Which, he figured it out in the he end. He begrudgingly gets there, but that, just because you begrudgingly <laughs> yeah. figure something out doesn't mean you're the number one person at that thing now. I liked actually how it was handled when when Keith comes out of the Black Lion and says, you know, and it's obvious that it's him. And Lance is just looking at him like stone faced and like, okay, we're gonna have a big fight about it. But he comes up, he's like, you, 
listen, I, I, I trust the line. You need to as well. Um, so it seems like somewhere in the process, I, I agree that he could have like explained it more, but it seems like he had a really cool change of, of opinion and outlook. Mm. It's cool that it happened, but it could have definitely been shown better. I do, I do like relating it to Lance's character arc, um, so I, I, I like it in that regard. Yeah, um, Justin, what do you think of how this shakeup, Paladin shakeup, twenty seventeen has uh, has resulted in? Are you satisfied? Um, here's the thing: I don't. They need to switch their suits because I don't like <laughs> clashing suits. If oh, that's Alora, driving me nuts. If Alora was in red, I could handle the whole pink red thing. That I can handle as like a color palette, but pink and blue and the red and the the blue and the red, I can even handle Keith being in the black because it's got the red wings. But aesthetically, Lance in the red line, he needs to change his suit, and so does Alora now. Like I don't like it. I don't. It clashes way too much. And no, I get why they made Alora the pink one. It it's a callback to the original series. They've been referenced that for dialogue, of like to honor the paladins of old. That's fine. I, I like that send up. But come on, they, they clash so much. Maybe the reason why we haven't seen a lot of um, like clips from future episodes in the trailers is because they will hopefully fix their outfits. And that would be a giveaway. But I'm so with you, Justin, too. I was like dying as <laughs> they were flying around in opposite colors. Yeah, it's uh, Justin is uh, upset about the hashtag Paladin aesthetics here. Uh, maybe maybe we'll get that <laughs> rectified. Uh, it seems like they wouldn't introduce Allura's pink suit here unless we're keeping her in the pink suit, though. So, uh. yeah, I think the pink's gonna stay, but Lance has got to put on some red. <laughs> the blue's killing me. He just needs to take Keith's outfit directly and just put that on. Just swap outfits. Yeah, so, yeah. Actually, act- that could yeah, work. Actually. <laughs> Um, I'm all about the uh, Lance taking on Keith's colors and stuff. It's the clan symbolism. So let's let's do that. Um, this this whole pat- shakeup uh, to me in this episode just seemed very uh, arbitrary. Um, I, I like I like how it's presented to us, but um, it even even if it was presented well, kind of just couldn't escape the fact that this is the uh, episode, the second episode where we need to resolve these paladin configurations and by the end we're there and whatever let's just figure it out somehow so um it's just it's a lot of swaps overall in the end i'm i'm happy where we are i like uh i like uh this concept of keith leading us reluctantly um i think that's set up well like i that like i said and i love allura as a paladin that's very hype um we did didn't see her fight in the episode uh she shows up and uh Lothar's like yeah we're fine let's go so she doesn't get to do anything but she is there at least she's at least a paladin so i'm very excited by the mm-hmm. prospect of paladin alara uh mm-hmm. what do you think Kaylee? oh i'm i'm just happy that um they didn't drag this out too long because I feel like they, I was worried that the first couple episodes were going to be them like hunting the galaxy for who it could be, and then it's us all along or something like that. Like I'm happy they just cleaned it up, neat and tidy, and kept going. Um, but I'm I'm wondering how good Allura is going to be at operating it because I guess she's really good with the the castle and everything, but I don't really know. I assume she's going to be okay, um, and I wonder if we're going to have the whole. Same thing from season one where they had to figure out how to form Voltron, if we're going to have a rehash of that or if it's going to be a quick thing or not. But I'm not really sure. But I'm I'm happy with the switch up in the end. It's nice and refreshing and changes it up and makes it exciting for the new season. Yeah. Um, it's it's so Lance seemingly is right in the swing of things with the red lot red lion. I think he's. He's uh, shooting down all those ships. Um, oh, yeah. He's, it seemed like he had no problems. Uh, Keith was struggling in the Black Lion, um, so I don't know mm-hmm. how that's going to come into play. I think one of our concerns with these Paladin shakeups was that um, we, we kind of had this whole arc last season about, like, lion loyalty and bonding with your lion. And now suddenly, like, three of our people are in new lions. Uh, so... It did seem a little weird that Lance was able to pilot the Red Lion so quickly. I guess I had a little bit of an issue with that. It's the Clance. It's got to be. I accept the power <laughs> of the Clance. I do. You know, but maybe it's just crazy personalities matching with each other. Yeah, I mean, right. I don't know. It's it's weird that we spent so much time last season. If we knew we we're just going to do this right away, but um, yeah, true. It, is, it is exciting that uh, we have this new configuration here. 
Um, yeah, Jeff, any thoughts on Allura as a new Paladin? Um, not too many yet. Um, it's, I mean, I obviously have not um, experienced at all in the canon and lore of the show, so who knows how it'll go. I One little, like, I, I know she uh, it tends to be... Um, I guess I, I just I can't see her as a like a um, as a like a super amazing like a, a fighting paladin like that's not her so far. I mean she's been great um, in like piloting the ship. I, I just like it's just I, haven't, I, haven't, I don't see it. Although I, do, I wouldn't be surprised if it turns out awesome. She, she's like very um, composed and um, yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, that's what I, mean. I, I, I'm having, yeah, I agree. I'm having trouble seeing her like getting really into it in that. I mean, she's she's gotten excited before, but um, that's definitely going to have to be a shift for her. Is um, rather than like being the composed leader in charge of everything, she's now like a subordinate fighter, and she's going to have to. Uh, yeah, so I think I think maybe we'll go on a arc with her about that. I think that'd be interesting. Yeah, because she's normally back on the ship in danger, but not like in it in the middle of it yeah. all. That'd be interesting. Yeah. So let's see how she reacts to that. We didn't see it yet in the episode. Um, mm-hmm. Some random last things from my outline here. In this episode, we had uh, we had Pidge characterizing all of the all of the people. Uh, Keith's the loner. Um, Pidge is the brain. Hunk's the nice one. Uh, uh, Allure is the decision maker. The uh, wise old guy, Koran, and uh, Goofball is Lance, who what he takes exception to. Um, I, I like that part from Pidge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we also have um, from the from episode one, we talked about uh, the Puig planets. Um, and uh, oh, yeah, that was what I was talking about is uh, Pidge was looking for Matt, uh, her brother. So um, that's going to be something to track. And we had that scene with her and Koran um, with uh, like her like analyzing every aspect of the footage with matt so uh we're still on page finds her family watch <laughs> yay all right i guess yay i don't know yeah uh Je- that's what was that oh i was just gonna say i feel like that's gonna be like a final season thing or maybe it it has i don't know like actually an important connection with something that like in lotor's past or something that justifies us focusing on it for so long yeah. At least I hope so. Yeah. yeah. That would be good relating it to Lotor. Um, I'm eager to resolve this plot. <laughs> I'll say that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I like it's Pidge is much more sympathetic when she's jokey, calling everyone a uh, name mode than in fine map mode, although I think they handled her fine map mode uh, well in that scene. Um, at the end, we have uh, of episode two. Lotor just vanishes when he sees all five lions, and then Keith places a tracker on Lotor's ship, and we're going after Lotor. Um, anyone have a, a good theory as to why Lotor went away? Mm, I don't know. Maybe he's um, like heard about all of this Voltron stuff and wanted to see for himself that it wasn't all um, kind of overemphasized. Because, you know, with the, the planet, the Puig, Puig planet, how they were like worshiping it, worshiping it like a god, he probably wants to see it for himself and make sure they're not all crazy um and like in love with voltron and it's actually half the size they say it is um so maybe i don't know maybe he's just double checking the facts before he yeah. makes any further decisions yeah i don't i um i think i think i believe he only went into that when he realized the black line had not been seen so he's like i want to make sure the black line is really gone mm-hmm. yeah the only the only explanation i can have for why he instantly went away when um when the blue lion showed up was that he needed to see all five lions at once to just confirm that Voltron can still be a thing. Um, like that's the only that to me, that's the only thing that makes sense. And it relates to, yeah, the black lions, not there. Um, love, uh, Azor calling it like uh, black kitty. Um, and then, uh, <laughs> so he must have some plans for Voltron. Um, like he, he, he confirmed they're existing. He doesn't want to fight them. That seems like a good time to be fighting them, but I guess not. So, he must have some plans other than meeting them head on. So we will see uh, how that, what that happens in the future. Um, Jeff, what are your final thoughts on anything in the episodes? And then uh, overall, what do you think of their quality? Um, I think we really hit all the main um, 
uh, beats of the episode, so not really much left overall to talk about. Um, like we said at the beginning, super happy to have this this new uh, Motley crew with some interesting backstories. Uh, so, you know, if I had to rate it, say it's like a eight out of ten for a season opener, like really well done. Yeah, uh, Justin, last thoughts and qu- overall quality. Overall, I'd give these two together probably an 8.5 out of 10. I thought they were really solid and a good kind of reintroduction back into the world. It had been, it's been a good, what, seven months? So yeah, it was nice to be back with the gang again and see everyone. So yeah, all in all, I thought they were pretty good. Nice to see the gang again, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Haley, what about you? I I like them. These were definitely, I, I found in the other two seasons, after the first two episodes, I'm like excited because I like the show. But with this, I'm actually really feeling more invested in the characters and the storyline. Um, and I like that we've just kind of changed things up, added new people, literally changed things around with the paladins and everything. Um, so, yeah, I'm really excited. I'm really, I want to watch the rest of the episodes now. I'm really pumped for it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm much, much more interested to see the rest of the season than I was after the first two of season two. Um, I think mm-hmm. we have more intriguing plot elements here. Um, yeah, overall, these were just solid episodes. Um, there were moments, I think, which were incredible. The Lotor introduction, um, some of the moments with the new generals. Uh, but overall, there's there's other things in the episodes that weighed them down. So neither of these are like top five episodes or anything. They're fine. They're good. Good introduction this season. But most importantly, I think we have um, actually good character intriguing moments that will come into play for, for the rest of the season. So very excited to get into uh, the rest of, which is only five episodes of the season, and then uh, more. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, check out uh, OverlyAnimated.com. Keep up with us for the rest of our coverage. Next, Justin will be anchoring our uh, episodes three to six, um, and then we'll be back uh, at the end to cover the finale. And, uh, yeah, so make sure you keep tuned to OverlyAnimated.com and uh, consider... Uh, you subscribe to us there. Le- give me feedback. Are you are you liking the season? You liking our coverage? Um, consider supporting us on Patreon at Patreon.com/slash/OverlyAnimated. Thank you very much to all of our patrons, especially our patron of the podcast, uh, Phonician, aka Fusion. And thanks as always to our patron executive producers, John, Ryan, Steve, Alex, and Andy. Um, so yeah, stay tuned to OverlyAnimated.com for more Voltron coverage, Rick and Morty, um, and then a bunch of other stuff coming up. Uh, so yeah, two two big two of our. Uh, our uh, anchor shows here uh, are on our new episodes right now so we're very busy so yeah uh, check us out there and thank you guys very much for listening we will see you next time bye bye, bye. Oh, no.